Well, hey, Norwalk Campus family, it's good to be with you guys, and we are really, really looking forward to Christmas Eve. It's one of our largest services of the entire year. Of course, we don't know what exactly that will look like amidst all the COVID craziness, but we want to have room for you. So uh, like Eric said on the video, make sure that you uh, check those times out. Uh, the worship program that you received when you came in today has all those specific Christmas Eve service times, and then you can uh, pre-register, save a spot for you and your family, and uh, that way we'll be prepared. And uh, also for our kids, man, make sure you register your kids ages three and below. We'll have child care available in the back, and all the rest of the kids can be with us here in the service and celebrate Christmas Eve. So looking forward to that. Um, we are coming to a conclusion uh, this weekend in the series that we've been in, uh, in, in the letter... Uh, that John wrote, the apostle. We call it the letter of 1 John. And week by week, we've been tracking through uh, chapter by chapter and looking at different themes. And this week, we come to the conclusion, chapter 5, and we're going to really hone in on chapter 5, verse 21. But before we do that, I want to ask us to just take a moment of solemnness and to, to, to answer some questions in our own hearts and minds, all right? It's kind of a fill-in-the-blank, but it's between you and God. And just be honest with ourselves. So, for instance, I want you to finish the in your own heart and mind. More than anything, I want, I don't know what it is for you. Or more than anything, I need, I don't know what you'd put in there. Or more than anything, I love, what is that? Or more than anything, I'm seeking. And finally, more than anything, I find comfort in. What might that be? I don't know how you filled in the blanks, for, but for me, uh, there were words like love or respect or family or approval. My wife Lisa's name even made the list. <laughs> And those are mostly all good things. The problem is when we say, I need and I want and I have to have, and we put something in there that isn't Jesus, eventually it will not fulfill us. It's a place that's only reserved for God. And anything else that we put in that place really is an idol, and I think it's why at the very end of John's letter, in chapter 5, verse 21, John says these words, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. You say, well, what's an idol? Uh, really, an idol is anything that takes God's place in our hearts. In fact, the New Living Translation of this verse really fleshes it out. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Anything can become an idol. Uh, John Calvin said our, our hearts are idol factories. We're always looking for something to put at the place of greatest importance of our life, and anything but God will let us down. So I want us to answer three questions um, in our time together today. First, when it comes to idols or idolism or idolatry, number one, why is it so wrong? Number two, what are the consequences? And number three, how do we keep ourselves from idols as John is challenging us to at the end of this letter? So the first one, 
Why is it so wrong? Well, remember, John is giving here both a warning and a commandment when he says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. It's a command. And in reality, all of God's commandments are for our good. God's not just a cosmic killjoy trying to take away our fun. In fact, he's looking out for us and he's wanting us uh, to have a life that is filled with purpose and meaning. And so he warns and commands. And when you think about commandments, even whether you're here this weekend and you're like, I don't know about this whole church thing or this God thing, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, uh, when you think about just even taking the Ten Commandments, okay, most of us would agree that if we followed the Ten Commandments, whether we're a Christian or not, it would be a thing, like, don't, don't kill. Like, yeah, that's pretty good advice. Uh, don't steal. Yeah, that's pretty good wisdom, right? Honor your father and mother. Yeah, that usually helps things, right? Uh, take a day of real rest. Man, some of us need to heed that commandment. But all of those commands are tied, really, to the very first two. And they have to do with idolatry. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 4, God says to Moses to say to the people, you must not have any other God but me. He goes on, he says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. He says, you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, this isn't like a, a junior high jealousy. This is a holy, righteous jealousy, a God that created us and loves us and wants the best for us. And he says, I will not tolerate anybody else taking that position in your lives because he wants to lead us and guide us and fulfill us. Uh, Pastor Eric Raymond de defines idolatry with two words, robbery and perversion. He puts it this way. He says, idolatry, it's robbery because we take what is due to God and we give it to something else. And it's perversion because we give the devotion that God rightly deserves to other things. When you think about idolatry, I remember being in India and I, I literally walked past Hindu temples where there were these just glamorous statues and altars where, where literally animals had been sacrificed. And, and when we think about idols and altars, you know, we, we may not have something posted in our, in our living room or in a closet that we go and we kneel down before every day. And yet an idol is anything that takes our time, our attention, our resources. And in reality, for many of us, we're bowing down, maybe not physically, but mentally, emotionally. In our lives, we're bowing down before other things and placing them in spot that only Jesus can fulfill. In his book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller, he, he gives us a, a tool to to decipher maybe what forms of idolatry we might be facing, because it can be different for all of us. And yet all of us probably struggle with, with at least one or maybe many of these. 
And he says, you can figure out what idol you're wrestling with by finishing these phrases, the phrase, life only has meaning, or I only have worth if. For instance, I only have worth if I have power and influence over others. That's a form of power idolatry. Or, or you say, well, life only has meaning, or I only have purpose and worth if I'm loved and respected by just fill in the blank. Maybe it's a certain person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe you're like me. It's just everybody. I want everybody's approval. And approval can be an idol in our lives. Or maybe we say life only has meaning. I only have worth uh, if I'm able to get mastery over my life in this one area. Whatever that area is, it's an issue of control. You know, we like to blame a lot of things right now on COVID, and, and so a lot of us are struggling, we're wrestling in life, and yet in reality, it might be a control issue because we recognize that in the midst of all this, we feel like we're not in control. <laughs> or maybe we say, life only has meaning, I only have worth if I have a particular look or body image. We live for the mirror, or we live for the likes. We want to be noticed. And it's a form of image idolatry. Right? And it can happen to anybody. It's guys with our muscles or, it's, or lack of muscles. <laughs> or it's, or it's the, the, the wife that's just living in front of the mirror. And life has become all about the workout. And there's nothing wrong with working out. We should. And I mean, to stay healthy. But when it becomes everything, and that's what we're living for, it's become an idol. Or maybe for some of the guys in the room, this is one that we can struggle with. Life has only meaning. I only have worth if I'm, if I'm highly productive and I get a lot done. Like, I, I want to achieve. I want to accomplish something. And so I'm driven, right? It can be a form of work idolatry. And for some of us in the room, work has become an idol. We bow down before it every day. Early in the morning, we rise, we go to work, we work hard, we achieve much. But what else is suffering? Because we're created for more than just work. Or this one is probably one of the most powerful and prevalent in our culture today. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have a certain level of wealth, financial freedom, or nice possessions, or certain possessions, and we're driven by materialism. And materialism also can become an idol. Some people are working so hard, it's not because they want to achieve or be, that work is their idol, it's the stuff that they want to be able to get. And so material things has become an idol in their lives. Anything can become an idol. And John is warning his readers and he's warning us, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Because there's some consequences. You know, probably one of the greatest uh, consequences or perhaps the greatest litmus test to know if we're wrestling with an idol in our lives is just to ask the question, am I wrestling with being truly at peace? Do I have a deep sense of contentment? And, and, because I'm telling you that the only thing in this world and in this life that will bring a deep down sense of peace and contentment 
has to do with our relationship with God. That we find in him everything that we need. I love the beginning verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And one of the greatest consequences of idolism in our lives is living a life that is just always in want. Wanting more. Wanting this. Wanting that. Wanting power. Wanting control. Wanting approval. And it leaves us feeling empty. But this idol factory life that we live, it affects our then relationship with God. Remember, he said, I'm a jealous God and I long for all of your affections. And so it short circuits uh, the relationship that God wants us to experience by putting false gods at the center of our life. Uh, the verse right before uh, 1 John 5, 21 says this, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Now, this, this word true is going to pop up a couple times now. This is what John was writing about. From the very beginning of this study, we said John was writing this letter to point people to true faith in Jesus and to call people back into true fellowship with God. And idols affect both of those. He goes on to say, And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. He's the only true God. So anything else that we put in the middle of our life is falsehood. It's an idol. Mike Lawford puts it this way. He says, when we look to find our ultimate life in anything else but him, idols result. Listen to this. The consequences are not freedom, but bondage. The result is not joy, but disappointment. And the outcome is not life as Christ intends it, but a cheap imitation that only keeps us wanting more. These are the consequences of idols in our lives. We'll be living for everybody else. We'll always be wanting and needing more. And we'll never discover the life that Jesus really wants us to experience. So that leads us to the last question, how? How do we keep ourselves from idols? That word keep literally means guard, like watch out, be cautious of. And it's, it's, a, it's a command. So how do we do that? I think one of the steps is to keep discovering real life in Jesus. If we want to escape the idols in our life, we have to stay focused on discovering our life in a relationship with God through Jesus. John writes about this in, in 1 John chapter 5, a few verses early in verses 11 through 12. He says, and this is what God has testified he has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He says, whoever has the Son has life, but whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. And here's the reality. Even after a person has given their life to Jesus and discovered their purpose in him, if we don't continue to discover that purpose in him, we'll look for our purpose in other things. And idols will be the result. 
And so John is saying, if you want to keep yourselves from idols, keep Jesus at the center. It's why here at the chapel we talk about the importance of the row, the circle, the chair, and go. Like, coming together like this is a way to remind ourselves that Jesus is at the center of life, that he's on the throne. When we gather in groups and, and study God's word and encourage and challenge each other, it's a way to keep God at the center. When, when we daily spend time in the chair just with God and his word and seeking him in prayer, it's a way to remind us that Jesus is at the center. And when we go and we, we serve others, whether it's in our church or in our community or in our world, it's a way to live the life that God calls us to, keeping him at the center. So not only in order to, to, to keep ourselves from idols, we, we've got to keep Jesus as the center, but secondly, we've got to keep the right company. We've got to keep the right company. Somebody has said, show me your friends, and I'll show, me what you, I'll show you what your life is going to look like. You think about it. We become like those that we are around the most. And so we need to stay in fellowship with others that are staying in fellowship with Jesus. This is how John began the letter. He says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Why? So that you may have fellowship with us. John was saying uh, himself and the other apostles who were trying to follow Jesus, he's saying, I'm writing these things so that you'll have fellowship with us, that you'll have a common experience with us. But it wasn't just about the us, because he goes on to say, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John was saying, I want you to be part of this group. I want you to be in friendship with us because we're in friendship with the one that makes all the difference. And this doesn't mean that we can't have friends that we're reaching out to, friends that um, aren't followers of Jesus, friends that don't go to church. No, we ought to be the light in the darkness. We ought to be influences. But the question always has to come back to, are they influencing me or am I influencing them? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, John writes these words. He says, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light, and he does not cause another to stumble. For many of us, some of our closest friends are not pulling us toward Jesus. They're pulling us away from Jesus. And we're stumbling because the main influences of our life are not influences that reflect the same values and beliefs that we are trying to live. David McLemore said, puts it this way. He says, we all fashion our own personal idols, but the company we keep either reinforces them or poisons them. Reinforces them or poisons them. And you and I, we can see it in our lives. If we've got friends that are trying to stay in fellowship with Jesus and they're trying to influence our lives and that they're, they have the freedom and the relationship with us that when we're struggling, when they, when they see uh, approval becoming the idol of my life, that they can speak into my life and say, hey, Todd, I feel like you're making this so much right now about what everybody else thinks, but that's not what it's about. It's about what Jesus thinks and what Jesus knows. We need people that are going to sharpen us, that are going to push us 
to Jesus, that are going to reinforce that Jesus is the only idol worthy. Or, or else we're going to surround ourselves with people that just, it, it feeds the idolism that's already there. And if, if the idol in my life is materialism and all my friends have that same idol, guess what? We're just going to try to keep up with each other. And, and what they get, I'm going to want to have. And what I get, they're going to they're gonna want to have. And it just feeds the idolism in our life. At some point, we have to make some hard decisions and make sure that we're the ones influencing, not just being influenced. And... John is writing this with the greatest care and tenderness. 1 John 5, 21. Dear children. You know that, that word ch children is repeated 20 times alone in this letter. And John is not trying to come down on us as like little ignorant kids. He's trying to call us up and remind us of our real identity as children of God. And he reminds us, keep away from idols. Well, earlier, I told you that one of the most probably powerful and prevalent idols of our day is the idol of materialism. And the only way to knock the idol of materialism off the altar of our lives is through an act of generosity. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Charles up, and he's going to share with us an action step that we get to take together as a church um, and in our community. So tell us a little bit about the next steps, Charles. Yeah, this is, this is the, I'm glad I get to do this. This is the cool thing. You know, we do, we want to knock out this, this idol, and so we want to give you a step to do that today. In fact, we had a, a person in our congregation who was very generous and made a, a large donation to the church with a specific purpose, to empower us, all of us, to live generously, to encourage others around us. And so what they've done is we have $20 Walmart gift cards that we are going to give to every family unit as you leave today. Um, if you don't want it, you can always drop it back off at the Welcome Center, but, but every family unit will get one today. And and we're hoping that you will use this to, to care for, to encourage, to bless someone around you in your life, in your community, that maybe you haven't even thought of yet. Um, maybe it's someone who, who, quite honestly, you've been trying to figure out a way to bridge a gap with, and you just, you just can't quite figure out how. Maybe it's someone who has voted differently than you, who thinks differently than you, has different uh, of values than you do. You just can't quite figure out how to reach out to them. Well, hopefully this will give you a bridge to do that, to bless them with this. And so uh, what we want you to do is to, is to take this card, this gift card, and, and, and be creative with it. Maybe, maybe you know someone that could just benefit from a $20 gift card. That's great. Give that to them. Perhaps you want to get creative with it. Maybe you take the $20 gift card and you buy, you buy supplies to make cookies so you can distribute it to many families. Maybe you're in a small group that, that wants to pull their gift cards together to, to get something a little bit larger. Or, or maybe you want to add to the gift card yourself. Whatever you decide to do, 
be creative. And, and asking you that you, would, that you would pray first about this. That you would ask the Lord what he might have for you to do. Who he might have for you to bless. That he would lead you to that person. And so um, what, what we're asking is that you not post this on Facebook. This isn't about the chapel. This is, this is about God's love for people. And so and we've, we are going to distribute these little cards to you on the way out that just say because of God's love with a verse on the back that perhaps you could, you could give them with your gift or, or with whatever it is that you decide to do. Um, just to encourage them. There's a lot of these cards available. If you want more than one, you can have more than one. But um, uh, what we're also asking is, is that you would just pray, that you would ask the Lord who he would lead you to, and you would bless these people. Now, um, the cool thing is, uh, this is not just a chapel effort. In fact, we reached out to some of the other local churches in our communities, both in Sandusky and Fort Clinton, but also in Norwalk. And so uh, as we reached out, the Foundation Church and the Oasis Church here in Norwalk have said, yes, we want to do that too. We want to be involved. And so the three of us uh, in Norwalk are going to combine this weekend to do this. And, and it's exciting and it's fun to do something together with other churches. It is. It's a cool thing. You guys have done Love Norwalk. I mean, mm -hmm. this is another just multi-church effort. And what a cool thing for the community to see churches coming together uh, just to show God's love in a practical way, in a generous way. Yeah, so, yeah. for sure. And here, here's what we ask. The only thing we ask back from you is your story. We want to know what you did. How, how, what, you, what you chose to do with this card, how you chose to bless somebody with it, we would love to know. And we would love to know if you know a response. What did, what did God do in their lives as a result of this? Did, did they say something? Did they do something? How were they impacted? We would love to know the stories. And you can tell us simply, we have a, um, an email that we created, stories at the chapel.family. Just email us what you did and what happened. We would love to know over the weeks ahead if you would do that. We would be grateful. Right. One of the, one of the greatest ways to knock the altar, especially of materialism, off the altar of our life is through an act of love and generosity, something that's totally other-focused. And so that's what we want to empower you guys to do. So we're excited to see how God's going to work in the next uh, days and weeks to come as you guys put, put love, put generosity, put giving into action towards somebody else. So mm -hmm. you want to pray for us, Charles? I'd love to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have been so generous to us and overwhelmingly generous, Lord, that you gave to us your son. Um, no words can express the gratitude for that. Yeah. And so now, Lord, I'm asking you, as, as uh, we take these gift cards out, Lord, that, that you would lead us, lead us to the people that, that you would have us to, to come in contact with, Lord, that you would even give us creativity and, and, and how to use these wisely and how to spend them to, to better bless and impact people. Lord, guide and direct us in all these ways now. We do love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, as uh, we dismiss today, um, if you would just wait for the greeters as they come dismiss you row by row. And then uh, at each individual family unit, make sure you get one of these cards and let us know what happens. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.